Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Welcome to the Claudio Ralsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. We are not recording from the My Policy Quote Studios in Swickley, Pennsylvania. This week, we have Vince Ferragamo, the L.A. Rams quarterback, former L.A. Rams quarterback. Uh, he will be appearing on Italian Impact Weekly with Steve Mancini and myself. So we're going to do a simulcast. But uh, we also want to thank our sponsors on this show as well. Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar at 502 Cabot Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call Dom at 412-372-3667. Criminal Defense Attorney Eric jackson Lori with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. And my policy quote, call Lou Raggianti on his cell at 412-609-9963. I hope you enjoy the Vince Ferragamo interview as much as I will. Here's Vince. Okay, welcome back. We have our very special guest on, and it's apropos that it's episode number 15 because our guest wore number 15. He is was a very <laughs> successful NFL quarterback, successful businessman, successful TV personality, <laughs> successful winemaker, but most important, successful son, husband, father, and grandfather, and someone who's extremely important to me uh, personally and professionally, Mr. Vince Ferragamo. Vince, thank you for being on the show. Great to be on. Is this Claudio? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Claudio, good. Good to hear from you and uh, good to be on the show. Who else would give you an Great introduction you. like that? <laughs> wow, man, I know that was pretty awesome. And I'm from California. I'm not even from Pittsburgh. so But that, I'm Italian, so that makes it work. That's right. right. And, and I've told this story to you before, and I'm going to tell it to our audience. July, uh, December 31st, 1976, Blue Bonnet Bowl, Nebraska versus Texas Tech. Yeah. I'm watching it with my mom and dad. And there's number 15, Italian guy. He's, he's playing a great game. My mom saw the, his interview. He said, that's the type of person you want to be right, like, right? And then Chuck Knox, who I've said numerous times, like an uncle to me. A few months later, I said, Chuck, you got to draft this Italian kid out of Nebraska. Now, I'm not saying he drafted Vince because of me, but it didn't hurt, Vince. <laughs> well, well, you know what? He was from Pittsburgh. That's right. So he knew all the boys back there, and he was a great coach. Uh, just, you know, Chuck Knox was uh, always believing in the six P's, you know, proper pr preparation prevents blank performance. <laughs> That's right. So, so, uh, but he, he was really, he was really a special guy. He was, believed in the basic fundamentals and, um, he always used to say, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, everybody got the message across, but yeah, that Texas tech game, when we played Nebraska, we played them, you know, who the defensive coordinator was, he was an Italian guy, but you tell team. us, yes. No, he wasn't Italian. Yeah, he, Bill Parcells he was great, Italian. He was Bill Parcells. Oh, yeah, Bill Parcells is part Italian. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Man, yeah. you got a good memory, Claudio. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, we couldn't run the football against them very well in that game, as I recall. And um, that probably was probably the best game of the bowl games that, that year because we played on New Year's Eve. But – the fact that it was 27 to 24, we had to come from behind to win. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that we could win that game is we could throw the football because 
Parcells knew, he says, hey, I'm going to stop this ground attack. And he did. He was ready, prepared to stop it. And if we couldn't throw the ball, it would have been lights out for us. And Tom Osborne the next day met with the chancellor, and he told Tom, he says, Tom, it's a good thing you won that game. Because if you didn't win that game, I was going to fire you today. <laughs> and Tom went on to have an illustrious career at Nebraska, one of the great coaches of all time for for Nebraska Cornhuskers. So that, that's for sure. Everything worked out. Everything worked out for the for the best. That's right. But uh, you know, we're going to start, Vince, uh, with your Italian background, including. Uh, I, I remember you told a story about your dad, about Tony Con- Conigliaro being a big fan of his and all the Italian athletes, oh, but yeah. also your family in Boston. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yes. that and your and your wife's father. Yes, well, <clears throat> my family, um, my dad's family, the Ferragamo, uh, was uh, diverted. They were headed supposedly to Argentina. This is what I understand, and and they ended up in Boston and in, in the harbor, and and that's where they settled. And uh, my mom's maiden name was Paziali, and the Paziali Bakery uh, family still makes a lot of the hometown breads for all the restaurants in downtown Boston and the North End and that so I was 100% Italian grew up Italian all my aunts and uncles most of my family is from the East Coast in the Boston area my dad grew up in Revere and then uh, they lived my grandparents my aunts all lived in the North End there and every time I went to Boston to play the Patriots uh, it was always like homecoming for me but I I never grew up and was raised there I grew up in California so but growing up Italian was uh, was pretty special. Every Sunday afternoons, we had to go to Grandma's house, and you know, we had to eat and the pasta, and the, they, they sat around and you know, listened to all the the great comedians and the Italian comedians and uh, the, the great singers of Perry Como's and such. Uh, and you know, it was just uh, it was a family get together every Sunday. And some that uh, we try to c- continue that tradition today, even with my grandkids, but. Uh, my dad was pretty strict, honest. I mean, I mean, uh, when I played football, I, I felt that uh, the only person that really mattered was to to do good. And if he said you played okay, I said I was happy, <laughs> no, because he always had something bad to say about me. So I always had to prove that uh, I deserved to be out there. And I played for my brother uh, Chris, who was a great high school coach uh, here in Southern California growing up as a kid. And uh, he was pretty strict on me as well. Didn't really want to play me, but the other coaches said, hey, you know, you better play this guy because he's the best thing for our team. So I guess I earned his respect pretty quick and then uh, got a chance to play. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. But you learn so much as a young kid growing up. And, and that's what, you know, I think when players are, are, are being scouted and looked at to play professionally, you, you got to really look at their background. you got to say, what's the makeup of this young kid? I mean, is he... Is he going to be there through thick and thin? Is he is he going to be a fighter? Is he going to come back if something doesn't go right? Because you don't always win, and it's how you react to adversity is what they're really looking forward to. And, and quarterbacks pretty much, in a sense, uh, is the leader of your team, and you really have to set an example and have to be a likable kid. And, you know, you have to be confident but not arrogant. Uh, so, I mean, it's um, – there's a fine line and, uh, you know, a lot goes into, you know, the qualities of these, these young kids, but so much of it is taught at an early age and how you grow up and how you're raised and the respect you have for your, you know, for your family and your elders. 
And, and you said something, Vince, in an old Italian saying, well, the fish stinks from the head. If it's bad up top, if our family, yeah. our parents uh, don't yeah. instill things in us, um, then, you know, then kids are lost, you know. And, and, you know, my players ask me all the time, what, what do you look for in a player? How, how can we make the team? Or on the pro scouting side, how can we go to the next level? I want good people who can play. That's it. Good people who can yeah. play. You know, yeah, perfecto, perfecto. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, it's that's the way it goes. You know, uh, I when I grew up Italian, Claudio, I don't know about you, but uh, you you learned the language a lot better than I did. Uh, my parents tried to hide from us. You know, they didn't. It was like a Secret Service family. They didn't really know. We didn't. We couldn't find out exactly what they were talking about because they speak in Italian, <laughs> and they never really taught us Italian. You know, but today, you know, I've learned. I've learned it over over the years and. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's a wonderful language. It's a romantic language, something that I wish I, I could perfect. And maybe one of these days I'll go live in Italy for a few years and, and, you know, and then do my final days in Italy. I think that'd be kind of fun for me. Well, you know, before Steve goes on, I, I my mom used to speak to me in Italian from day one. Uh-huh. I used to speak to her in English. My dad spoke to me in English unless he was mad at me. But uh, and and but and my mom became a huge when she came here in '63. She was a big boxing fan and soccer fan. Then because of me, she became a baseball fan and again football and Chuck. She loved Chuck and the Rams and so on and so forth. She knew more about sports than my dad did. But when I was in Italy in 1980, uh, and I called her and I'm speaking to her in English and my grandfather's looking at me. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm talking to my mom. He said, in English? I said, yeah. He didn't know that she spoke English. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she – and I'll tell you That's something fun. real quick. My mom used to read the sporting news on the porch. She would – actually, mm. in the memory, it was a big paper. And some of the Italian women would go by, and they would see her reading the sporting news. And, you know, amongst each other, they, they used to say that my mom was trying to be – more Americanized than not Italian because yeah. she was reading the sporting news. You know, unbelievable. Americano. 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 There you go. Very yeah, good, exactly. Vince. Very good. Steve? Yeah. Vince, let me ask you something because you know what? We've, we've actually talked about this before yeah. where there was a generation of Italians that when they immigrated here, they, they became American. They said, oh, I'm an American. I'm going to become American. And then it seemed like later immigrants, you know, in the 60s and, and kind of later, they weren't so, even though they were still America, it was still their country, but they weren't because you said something kind of funny. We're like kind of like the Secret Service. I don't know what they're talking about. But a lot of the older Italians did not teach their kids, grandkids, Italian because they said, "Oh, you're in America. You got to learn. You know, you got to well, learn. You got to be American, right? Right. You got to learn the language. Exactly. That's that was the theory. Uh huh. Now, are, are you? Are you? I agree. Now, how are you thinking? Like, are you trying to kind of say, you know what? I'm going to teach my kids some of these Italian things that maybe maybe you don't realize you've learned because that's another thing. Is sometimes we don't realize we've learned something that's cultural. We just we just assume it just it is what it is, but you know what you think? Oh, that's that's what Italians do. I didn't know that. Are you trying to pass some of that stuff down? You know, going forward or sure, you know? I I think so. I I would like to. I I try to teach my my uh, grandkids some you know the Italian words and expressions and you know I love you, ti voglio bene and buongiorno, come stai. <laughs> you know, I try to teach them a little so they know because one day the priest was uh, serving mass at their at their my gra- uh, my kids' grammar school and. He would say, "Okay, well, how do you say I love you in different languages?" And some of this, you know, spurted out. Uh, you know, they would say it in Spanish, they would say it in Vietnamese, and say it in Korean, and you know. And I was hoping one of my grandkids would have raised their hand and said Italian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but 
I think diversity is great. I think it is. I think it, it teaches us a lot about life, about uh, dealing with people and, you know, being able to be multifaceted, you know, and, and I know for my, my own three daughters, I had three girls. Uh, my oldest daughter is a pediatrician and she went to medical school at Guadalajara and she spoke her second language was Spanish. My youngest daughter, her second language was Spanish. She was a foreign language major. So they're fluent in Spanish uh, and it, and English. And so their kids are grown, you know, now they speak Spanish and English both. So it's, uh, but my daughter, it's, um, it was a, probably a good thing that she was bilingual because when she graduated medical school and, and came back to the United States, uh, she was uh, highly sought after because of her um, her dual language capability and, and being able to communicate with a lot of Hispanics here in Southern California. So it gave her a definite advantage. But I, yeah, I do think it's important. I think it's kind of fun for the kids to, um, you know, to know more than one language. Yeah, that's funny because I, I regret not growing up. I had neighbors around me that spoke Italian. And when you're young, I always say this, youth is wasted on the young. You don't appreciate it. I am I am curious, though, because, um, you know, I think, you, you know, you're, you're into the, I'm going to say kind of funny, but you're into the wine business. You know, good Italian, you're into the wine right. business. Um, is that something that came out of your, your you know, when you were younger? Like, because, I mean, when I grew up, like, here in Pittsburgh, there were a lot of people who made wine, and they made wine up to the day they died. And, you know, that was something they literally brought back, in some cases, from the old country. I mean, I, I still remember an old house where, like, they had the wine presses and stuff and, and getting the grapes delivered in boxes. I mean, is that kind of stuff you grew up, or was, like, wine was just like, nah, it was just kind of a business of opportunity after you, you retired? I'm just kind of curious on that. Well, it was it was more of a hobby for me. Um, I mean, growing up uh, Italian, of course, uh, there was wine at, at the dinner table all the time. But, you know, in the Italian, Italian culture, you never you get drunk at the table. It's a right. disgrace to ever right. drink too much. But, but we love to drink our wine with our food because it marries the the taste and the, uh, it bridges the food, and you enjoy you enjoy the meal that much more because the the wine would enhance the the flavors of the food, and vice versa. So, um, you know, the Chianti Classico, for example, is one of the great all time. Um, most universal wines because Sangiovese-based and it kind of goes with a lot of different types of food. But growing up as a kid, I never really, um, uh, you know, it it never really dawned on me that, you know, I would get into the wine business. Um, I I did it more of a hobby. And then I, uh, when I I, uh, left the team, when I retired from the NFL, I got more involved in the wine, in in the making of the wine and um, I started collecting. I, I built a, a wine cellar at my home, and then I have about, you know, quite a few bottles of wine that I collect wine, and we drink all the time. And then we, uh, we I have a small vineyard here in Orange County that we grow mostly a Super Tuscan blend, Sangiovese Cabernet and uh, Petit Verdot. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty nice little wine, and it's got a lot of uh, merits from, from uh, competitions that I put it in. And so We've done pretty well with that, but it's more of a hobby than anything else. So, you know, we enjoy it. It's fun to have family and friends over, um, you know, if they want to have a, you know, a special day or a special event, uh, you know, we have the wine to go with it. And, you know, it's really a lot of fun. And we we do a harvest every year, Steve and Claudio. We we do a harvest uh, around September. My wife makes a beautiful Italian meal and, and uh, 
everybody comes to the house. We have dinner, we have some wine, then we pick the grapes at night. So it's uh, really a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good time out here. Now, I had the, uh, this is Claudio, I had the Anastella. I have not had Giuseppina, yes. Raffaella, Sofia, Francesca, but you sent uh-huh. you sent me the uh, Caressa J, which one of them were going to open for my daughter who just graduated from Pitt. You sent it to me a couple of years ago. We drank the first mm-hmm. one. Excellent. Excellent, excellent wine. Yes. Excellent. And, and let me ask you this since we're on that subject. When you did win some awards for the Caressa J, mm-hmm. now, and again, mm-hmm. Vince will explain, he named them after family members, which I absolutely love. What kind of a thrill was that? I mean, did you get that much of a thrill from, from those awards from your wine as you did accomplishments on the football field? God, yes, and that's a great question, Claudio. Uh, you know, I really did. Uh, I'm, you know, we just started off as a hobby and just started growing grapes in the yard. And uh, when we actually produced wine, I had a, a producer uh, down in Escondido, which is um, near San Diego. He actually made my wine in the early days. And, you know, we I entered it in the L.A. International Wine Competition. That's one of the oldest wine competitions in California, in Pomona. And it got a gold medal. The first year, we got a silver medal in 2011. And then in 12, we got a gold, 13 gold, 14 gold, 15 gold. And then my, my, my winemaker passed away. <clears throat> so then I had to move uh, the operation to, uh, to Orange County, right where here where we live in and Bruce Powers, who, who does the wine now, does a great job on the wine. And the 2019, I don't know if that's the bottle that you have, yes. but it's very elegant. It's, it's really nice. It's, um, it's, a, it's more elegant kind of wine, has a great blend of um, acidity and tonicity. And, uh, you know, so we, it's really easy to drink. It's a lighter wine, and, you know, it's, uh, it's got a lot of flavor profile. It's got some... Uh, some uh, fruit uh, forward flavors like uh, cranberry, and then it's got a hint of tobacco, and which is really cool because uh, you get those kind of flavors and those characteristics of the wine. That, you know, people enjoy that because it's just not a. It, it's fairly simple wine, but it also has the structure to it too. So we enjoy it, and uh, but it has given me a lot of uh, uh, self. Uh, um, you know, I mean, it's built, it's built me up a little bit because it's like, hey, other people like my wine. That's pretty cool. So <laughs> That's I'll right. keep continue making it, you know. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, a really, it was a really a fun thing to, to experience that and get those kind of medals with that wine. Now, Steve, Vince is a sommelier, okay, which took a, probably a nice time to get that accomplishment. And also, can you imagine how I felt liking Vince since I was a little kid receiving two bottles of wine from Vince for Christmas. Boy, that made my Christmas that year. So, Vince, thank you again for that. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you're welcome, Patio. <laughs> no, that's you're welcome. That, it's funny how life, uh, you know, the circles that life takes. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I'm kind of, we're not going to, this was not supposed to be a wine interview, but you kind of got me curious about something. How hard mm-hmm. is it, since it comes from the same vineyard, how hard is it to keep a consistent taste? Like, if I, if I drink a wine from 2016, mm-hmm. even though it came from the same vineyard, it's going to be different than 2017. How how hard is it to keep mm-hmm. to, to you know to keep the same taste, or or is it just an expectation that this crop's going to taste different than this crop? Uh, you know, there's wine does never duplicate itself. I mean, every year it's different, and so it's very difficult to to establish um, the similar you know taste. It's not like having jam. You get blackberry jam; it tastes the same every time you get it. Uh, this is the, the quality of the grapes, the way they grow, the mother nature, the way it, you know, its contribution to 
the, the growing season, uh, maybe it's colder, it's warmer, it's uh, you get a lot of rain or, you know, those kind of things all influence the wine and the, and just the minerality, the, the soil composition affects the way the grapes grow each and every year. And we lose, we lose vines occasionally uh, throughout the season. And every year I have to do some replanting of the vineyard and I'm more of the vintner. I, I really enjoy getting out into the, into the vineyard, although we only have about 220 vines, uh, it can be a lot of work sometimes just to try to keep them going. But, um, you know, I think the more time that's spent in the vineyard, you know, because you can't make good wine with bad grapes, but you can make bad wine with good grapes. So you have to be, you know, you have to do it all. And, uh, sometimes you're, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's like mother nature is going to really have a, a big effect on, you know, how the grapes turn out each and every year. But it is interesting because, yes, but you do keep some similar profiles on the wine are similar from year to year. But the wine is not repeatable each and every year. It's a little different. So but um, that's that's the fun part of it, because if it was the same each and every year, it'd get boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would get boring. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point because, like I said, and I, I, I mean, that makes it really makes sense. Now I get like, oh, this is a 2016 versus 2017. I'm going, it's from the same company. Why is it? What's the difference? But like, that totally makes sense. But you know, the, the the funny thing though is, this is one of the things that you do, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a lot of people, you know, everybody says, I want to win the lottery so I can retire. Mm-hmm. Like you, you could probably mm-hmm. sit back and go sit on the beach in, in L.A. Now, by the way, I used to live in San Diego, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that. Um, but you choose to continue to get involved in some, you know, a lot of things, you know, maybe tell the audience, what are some other things you actually uh, have going on? Well, you know, uh, Jackie Slater, who's a 20 year NFL legend and hall of famer. He uh, was my uh, good buddy growing up for many years. He's uh, here. Our kids grew up together. Uh, He and I both uh, did Fox uh, television here locally in the Southern California market for five years when the Rams came back from St. Louis. And, uh, this past year, we've been doing a podcast, which has been a lot of fun. So we um, we devote, you know, one day a week, and uh, we have to do more than that because uh, the way Jackie and I have to prepare for these uh, for these podcasts, it's like, you know, it's like preparation is key. So we, we spend a lot of time, you know, reviewing our notes and talking what we're going to talk about. But we talk a lot about the NFL and the Rams and the Chargers, and we just got through with a a big ordeal on the draft, how we, we, we analyzed the draft and, and we, we figured out who, uh, who's going to be the favorites this coming year and, and how the teams are stacking up, the Rodgers move, the Lamar Jackson signing, all this kind of stuff, you know, that circulates in the NFL. And then we talked a little bit about basketball. Women's basketball was pretty special this year, I thought. Drew a lot of fans. And, you know, this Caitlin Clark and, uh, and Angel Reese, the the matchup they had uh, for the national championship game it was uh, that drew a lot of attention i think it was kind of more exciting than some of the boys basketball but uh we talked about some of that and so we do that i'm also very involved with the real estate market uh had touchdown real estate ferragamo real estate for you know almost uh what 25 years and um been uh, that's what i do primarily uh to make money <laughs> yeah this stuff is also fun pretty much so but uh, yeah, that's what we do, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of fun because we live here in Southern California, so there's a lot of Ram fans and a lot of Charger fans around, and so they still kind of remember our face. So we try to continue to do things in the community. I I haven't done much with my foundation, although we still support 
um, Special Olympics and Speech and Lang- Language Development Center. We've we we uh, sponsored a lot of their uh, their 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 events this uh, past 20, 30 years, and so we were very active with that. My wife has done a lot of work with the Breast Cancer Foundation at um, at Orange Coast Memorial Hospital, which is in Fountain Valley, has uh, generated quite a few funds there for breast cancer. So it's um, you know it's, it's always fun to give back, and that's what we uh, we have a lot of good friends that also want to help out. You know, Vince, everybody knows about your NFL career, and something that I would like to know personally is I'm always trying to prepare for when baseball is done or when I'm done with it. Joe Namath once mm-hmm. said to himself during a practice or a game, I'm not sure when he was with the Rams, of course, what am I doing here? Did you ever have that moment? And when did you start preparing for, again, touchdown real estate, Ferragamo real estate? When did you say, okay, now I'm going to go to the business world? Well, I think when I retired in 1986 uh, from Green Bay, uh, I knew it was it was time. And so I, I retired and I didn't really know prepare exactly what I was going to do when, when I left the game uh, because, um, you know, I, wa- I wasn't an economics major. I was actually a pre-med a student, and I think my, my oldest daughter took after me from that end. But I, uh, I didn't continue that because of the football, uh, the time requirement for to playing football, and it was tough to do, you know, prepare for two different professions at the same time. So, But when I left the game, I, I thought I would get into the financial market some way, and I was thinking about maybe securities and that kind of thing. But um, I think someone just came to me one day and asked me if I would uh, be interested in doing real estate. And, and I didn't think much of it at the time, but I got my license. And then years later, I, I got my broker's license. And when I started out, of course, it was new to me. But I think, uh, you know, my background and, you know, the hard work, the work ethic, and you, you have to put in the time and, you know, things worked out. Uh, the way they should have. And I was able to uh, raise my kids and still have the time available to create. It was an independent uh, contractor, pretty much. I was able to create my own time schedule to, you know, be close with my family as well as uh, the business side, too. So that's kind of what I liked about the real estate industry, because I could work when I had to or work as much as you want. I would work late nights or, you know, maybe take a couple of days off and work with the kids and then get right back into it. So um, I think it afforded me the opportunity to spend more time with the family because uh, at the time my kids were pretty young when uh, when I retired from football. Now I'm assuming that you, again, there was probably some early, you know, I'll call them growing pains. And obviously the fact that you're successful mm-hmm. tells me you've overcome those growing pains. Do you ever... Um, kind of maybe, I don't want to, maybe mentor or coach kind of athletes that are getting ready to transition or give advice to younger athletes? Do you ever, do you ever get asked to do that, especially in your area? You know, definitely several yeah, we, um, teams. That, right. That's, that's a good question because I've, uh, we've had football camps for many years. I, I tried to tie that in with my foundation some and give back to a lot of the kids that wanted to, uh, to learn more about football. We did football camps, we did overnight camps and we did day camps. And this goes back, uh, geez, I think I started this right when, uh, when I, I kind of retired from football and kept involved football that way. But working mainly, we did kids, uh, younger kids and then old, uh, high school age kids. So, but now we still do a football camp because primarily because my brother, who's a, a longtime coach, 
he's over 80 now and he still loves to be doing football stuff. So he comes out and helps me and we train a lot of young kids, mainly high school age kids out here in Southern California. And, you know, we've seen some of them go on to do some pretty big things. Um, but yes, I think training is, is kind of a key. And right now I think I spend a little bit more time with my grandson. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's quite the, uh, quite the enthusiast he's, he's uh interested in all different kind of sports he does tennis he's golf he's uh he's playing baseball right now he's a pretty good pitcher and uh you know he played soccer and uh, he played flag football last year for the first time and everybody liked playing with them so we'll see what happens you know so i spent a little bit more time with them and maybe i'll do a little bit more uh because yeah i, I think you're right i think coaching is is a key element. Uh, that's what, why we see so many great teams in the NFL now are, are doing so well because of the coaching staffs they have. You know, Sean McVay, what he's brought to the Rams, and you know, Mike Tomlin being many years with Pittsburgh, you know, wins 10 games every year. I mean, it starts at the top. And you saw what uh, Brian Debo did when he went to New York Giants from B- Buffalo Bills. I mean, he was a good coach. He brought, he, you know, he brought the New York Giants way up on top. And you know, so coaching is a big thing, but coaching is important as well for kids growing up and you want to let them learn and, you know, create good habits. And, uh, and sometimes they need to be guided the right way. Uh, and you know, it's a, you, you have great talent, talented kids today, but what's the difference between a guy that they're all talented that play in the NFL, but why is the guy starting and the other guys are backups? Because, you know, there's a reason for it. So, you have to be multi multifaceted, uh, but above all else, you you have to have a good heart and you have to be a good person to to make to make it uh, to make it work in the NFL. Vince, we only have three minutes left. Uh, first of all, I love your comment mm-hmm. about spending time with your family. That's something with all the things that I do, I make sure that I spend time with my daughter and, and my wife sure. for sure. But real quick, um, before we get some addresses from you on how to get your wine and all that, but people may think, oh, the Touchdown Real Estate, oh, he's Vince Ferragamo, it was an easy business. It, it wasn't for you to build it where it is. So quickly, how how difficult was it and how were you able to do it? Well, it is it is very difficult when you're first starting out in the business world. Uh, the one good thing I had going for me is that um, you know uh, I was well known when I when I left the game. I was a Super Bowl quarterback. I was known here in Southern California market. But networking is so important in any kind of business that you do, um, whether it is a fundraiser event. You want to grab the people to support you that. Uh, have a lot in this in common with you and that you network with them and, and real estate the same way I mean I have a, a great one of my best friends is a financial planner and, he, and I'm the broker for his uh, private lending company and and uh, we've done many things to help a lot of clients you know with tax uh, 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 you know tax uh, accounting questions um, and tax money management how it's the best investments uh, to do and you know, looking at your whole game plan. And that's kind of basically uh, the, what I found is the, the most important is the networking and your ability to stay involved in your community and, and keep involved so people will know who you are and they will, you know, and, 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 and having a, a great track record and be credible. And that has a lot to do with being successful in the business world. Okay. Now you mentioned On Point Live, so people can check that out. I watch yep. it all the time. And then uh, your wine yeah. website, please give us that, please. Yeah, people could subscribe to the uh, YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube 
dot uh, com and it's uh, on point live with Vince and Jackie. Uh, the wine is vinceferragamovineyards.com. Okay. And you can go right on. You become a, a, a member, join the club membership to get uh, four bottles of wine a year. And I have a few left available. Uh, and uh, as Claudio mentioned, we have five different types of uh, wines uh, that are out there. They're beautiful. Three are, are sourced from Sonoma County up Northern California, and two are local here in Southern California. So Caressa J stands for my daughter, Cara Vanessa Jenna. So uh, all the all the names, as Claudio mentioned, are named after women in my life. Uh, so you know, special special moments there. And uh, but yeah, those are the two ways. And then you have Ferragamo Real Estate or TouchdownRealEstate.com. Look us up, uh, FerragamoRealEstate.com, and uh, you can see some of what we do on, in the real estate market. And if you're ever interested in uh, any advice or for young people starting out, hey, you know, just drop me an email and I'll give you what I think is important to do when you first get started in the real estate business. You mentioned a woman in my life. I have one here in the studio, my daughter, Ida, who just graduated from Pitt. Ida, say hello to Mr. Ferragamo. Hello, hello. How are you? Hi, Ida. How are you? Nice to meet you. Good. Nice. My dad yeah. always talks about you. He's always <laughs> very excited to talk to you. Yeah. The word is man crush. Well, you, you, went to, you, went to school, you went to the same school that uh, the quarterback at, uh, with the Steelers went to school, right? Yes. University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. I thought you were going to say yeah. Dan Marino. Yeah. Uh, that one, too. Oh, that the other too. Dan, Dan Marino as well. Yeah. That's right. Hey, Vince, yeah, real well, quick. I, think I, I expect a lot from him. Yeah. We, we, we use uh, the Italian pronunciation to call Ida. My, my mom's name was Ida, so we call her Ida. Uh, and, and people butcher that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's spelled E-T-H-E. You know, that's how you pronounce it. So we always call her Ida. So on birthdays. Ida. On birthdays, you have people calling her Ida either. It gets all mixed up. But Vince, we're gonna we're gonna That's let you. Beautiful. Get, yeah, I I try to honor my mom as much as I can, uh, like you honor your uh, family. But you know, I think the world of you. I, I tell you that all the time. You have a ton of impact on me personally and professionally, and uh, you mean the world to me. So, and thank you for your time, and That's always great. thank you for your kindness. You're the best. Thank you, guys. It was fun being on the show. Thanks, Claudio. Thanks, Steve. You guys did a great job. Thanks, awesome. Vince. Take Enjoy care, buddy. Good Talk luck with everything. Okay, well, thank you. Again, hey, I'm going to get online. I'm going to order some wine. I'm going to see you guys. Oh, I would Absolutely. love to see you. Good. I'd love to see you. All right. All right, brother. Thank Mangiare. you. Insiem. Insiem. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. to my mom she can't understand me she gets so cranky and irritable well your mother's ears cannot understand speech sounds and that leaves her trying to guess what you said this makes conversation exhausting for her can we help her Yes, Julie. Once we improve her hearing, she'll be less frustrated and be able to enjoy talking with you again. If your loved one needs help hearing and understanding, call the Roscoe Hearing Center at 814-375-0455. Hearing solutions with the care you've been looking for. 
offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Are you tired of paying too much for health insurance? With those enormous premiums, you lose yardage, then get sacked with all the upfront costs. What are you paying for? Lou and his team at My Policy Quote are your number one draft pick. They have access to all the top carriers, and as a brokerage, they have full market visibility with the tools and experience. Let Lou help you and your family find truly affordable quality insurance and quarterback your power play to get you out of the penalty box. Call Lou and his team at 412-609-9963. 